0: Hello, my name is Cy I'm a scientist, a writer, and a Christian, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, The Works of His Hands, which is also the title of my prize-winning book published by Kriegel Press with an introduction by Alistair McGrath. The subtitle of the book, A Scientist's Journey from Atheism to Faith, describes the major theme of the book, and this podcast will include episodes on similar themes, not just about my own personal journey, but also exploring the connections between modern science and Christian faith. Remember, science is distilled doxology. When we talk about genetic engineering and uh, changing the genome, at the moment, uh, using CRISPR and Cas, which is a very good technique, very simple, a lot of labs can do it, We're really, so far, mostly talking about health. We're looking at somatic cells, which means they're not the germline cells. They're not the cells that get transmitted. But we're looking at modifying genomes in somebody's cells that don't get passed, the changes don't get passed on to the next generation, but they can cure people of terrible diseases. And I don't think there's any question about that. Clearly, that, that's a technique that it's not quite ready, but it's getting pretty close. Gene editing and any kind of genetic modification can occur in two very different ways. One way is that you, you change the genome of individual cells in the body, which is all the cells in the body except the germ cells, sperm and eggs. Making any change in any of those cells can cure most diseases that we know of, most genetic diseases. But they will not be; those changes will not be passed on to the next generation because what you do to the somatic cells—you know, your your liver, your skin, your lungs, whatever—doesn't get transmitted to the next generation. The only way to make a permanent change uh, in the germline is to, you know, change the genome of germ cells or, for example, in embryos. And at that point, you've actually modified the human race to some extent, because that's not reversible. There could be a family who decides that they want all their children to be tall. Uh, There could be another family that decides that they want their kids to be brilliant in math or to be great artists or something else. Um, So I have an evolutionary problem with this. Very few parents are going to decide to make their children fatter, weaker, shorter, worse looking. (laughs) Most parents are going to want to improve their kids. And so what we're going to end up with if we do this is a human race that is much more homogeneous with much less variation, genetic variation, than we have now. Humans are already genetically not diverse at all compared to other animals. Even in fairly simple things like skin color or certain diseases, it's not one gene. It's several genes that interact with each other, and there are different alleles, and there's a huge amount of complexity. When we start talking about behavioral traits like being moral, there may be some genetics involved. But the studies that I know show that when they do identical twin studies and other studies looking for the genes that affect some fairly strong behavioral patterns, the average is something around 30%. They can go as high as 50% genetic, and the rest is environmental. And this is that whole nature-nurture divide. And the, I, I, as far as I know, the current consensus is that uh, it's, it's pretty evenly split, and, and depending on what... You know, on what the behavioral uh, parameter you're looking at, but morality to find genes that make you a better person, more moral. We're talking way in the future, if ever. I mean, I I I find that one a little bit hard to grasp, just scientifically. So invasive species are a great problem, both in the U.S. and in Europe, where species that were never supposed to live in a particular ecology in a particular environment are suddenly there, okay? And Asian carp, for example, uh, certain flowers, certain plants are brought in, go into an environment where they have no Mm -hmm. enemies, where they, they have no predators, they live very well, they kill everybody else, they cause a huge amount of damage. And it's a major issue throughout the world, basically, is the presence of invasive species that really damage the ecosystem in some ways irreversibly now in some cases those invasive species were never predicted to be harmful winter hyacinth it's an aquatic plant which was brought to the u.s from south america it's an ornamental it's absolutely beautiful Uh, but the problem is that it starts to form mats very dense it cuts out the sunlight for everything living under them, and it clogs waterways, and it is a, a ma- has become a major uh, problem. That was not predicted. People brought Asian carp in because it was, you know has a lot of valuable properties for clearing out waterways, and it's a, an incredible pest. There are so many examples. I mean, I don't want to go any further. But the reason this is analogous is when we make a change to the human genome, for the purpose of improvement. The genome is just as complicated, and and not just the genome, but the way the genome interacts with everything else. It's just as complicated as an ecology where you put a new species into an environment where it never was before. If you now change the genome without testing, without making sure it's really not harmful, we don't know what the results are gonna be. And the problem is we can't go backwards just as it's almost impossible to eliminate some of these invasive species once they get a foothold, once we have changed the germline, it's permanent, and it's nothing we can do. And if it ends up having unforeseen negative consequences, which I don't even know what they could be, but whatever they are, we know that that very delicate balance is very delicate. It's, it's the, the balance within, within the cell, within the person. And we already know that, you know, there are some genes that if they mutate, they cause all kinds of horrible phenotypes for diseases that we would never predict knowing what the function of the gene product is. And I guess the best known is uh, Lesch-Nyhan disease, which is, I forgot what the gene, but it's a gene that does a very minor metabolic pathway but if that gene is mutated, you end up with one of the worst genetic diseases, I don't even want to describe it, that anyone has ever had. And, and nobody knows why, because there's so much complexity in the way genes interact and their gene products interact, and it's not predictable. Will we ever get to the point where we can understand all that? I, I don't know. But we're very far from it now. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please subscribe to my podcast and also check out my website at cygar.com. Take a look at my YouTube channel, Faithful Science, science is spelled S-Y-E-N-C-E, and follow me on Twitter and find me on Facebook. Thanks again and God bless you all.